Joe, you had a dream last night, didn't you? Weird one. I think you did. Yeah, it was pretty strange. What happened? So I dreamt that my neighbor's cat came over and like coughed up a hairball all over our kitchen floor. He was like the size of another cat. So I, I picked that up and threw it away. And then I ended up having sex with uh, Anne Hathaway. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Penguins lost last night. Everyone's up in arms because they played about as poorly as they've played since that 10-3 loss back in the second game of the season to the Chicago Blackhawks, which are you allowed to say on the radio? Coming up next, you're going to hear from Sean Collier, Pittsburgh Magazine, on the Oscar nomina- nomination. Nominations. Good talk to Sean Collier about the nomination. First, though, we go out to Todd who's calling from South Carolina. What's up, Todd? Yeah, it's going to let you know that Keebler makes copies of all the Girl Scout cookies, too. You can buy them in any grocery store. Well, that's just because the elves work at cheap labor. <laughs> just like the kids. Also, are they just as good, Todd? They are, but Dollar General has copies of most of their cookies, and they're made by the same baker. They're identical cookie in the Dollar General box, and they run about 2 bucks a box. Really, I have a Dollar General so close to my house that I could throw my cat at it and it would hit the Dollar General. So I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, what else you got on your mind, Todd? That's about it right now. You started on cookies and that's all I can think about. <laughs> do you have any cookies at your house right now? Yes, we do. <laughs> Dollar General? We, Girl no, actually, we have, we have Nutter Butters that were on sale. <laughs> oh God, nutter butters are so good too. We might need to do. We might need to extrapolate this out. We might need to make this a what's the best cookie show for the rest of the day. But uh, thank hey, you for bracket. your call, Todd. We could do a bracket for it. <laughs> we could do a cookie. Bra- Stop producing the show, Todd. Okay, get out of here. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I actually have seen the Dollar General boxes. They're the same. You got thin mints that are in the green package. You got whatever the bleep they call their Samoas in the purple package. Uh, they're knockoffs, but apparently they're made by the same baker. So what the hell's up with that? Uh, that that is an affront to me. That irritates me. It bothers me. There are little girls all across this country selling cookies, and Dollar General is going to try to profit using the same baker. And then there's Keebler paying those elves God knows what. Less than minimum wage, I'd have to think. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian just texted me. He's driving back to take his dog out. He says, "WTF? Cookies took off. Bracket is brilliant. I don't know if we could do a full sixty-four team cookie bracket. We could do beers. We could do restaurants in Pittsburgh." We do Pittsburgh celebrities. There are a lot of different bracket ideas we could have. I feel like it's almost too cliche, though. We'll find something to do for March Madness, and we'll have fun doing it. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me by underscore Adam Crowley. As I said, Sean Collier coming up at five twenty to talk about the Best Picture nominees and some of the other categories for the ninetieth Oscars. Is it bad that I haven't heard of all of the Best Picture nominees? Is that is that bad, Joe, do you think, that I haven't heard of them all? No, because I guarantee you I haven't either. All right, let's play that game. Let's do it. 
Call Me By Your Name. No. Darkest Hour. Did you see that one? I've not, but I've heard of it. Okay, now you need to see that one, because you like Dunkirk, and this is about Churchill, so Dunkirk is a major theme in said film. Yeah, I have to see that one. Speaking of which, Dunkirk. Seen it twice. Is that worthy of Best Picture nomination? I think so, yeah. I think so. It's it's so unique in how it was uh, written and, and, and filmed and, and everything about it. If you're a uh, yeah, production nerd, I, I, would, I would suggest it, it. It just seems a little far-fetched to me. Like, that would never work. What's that? You know, the boats taking... Oh, the, oh, the actual story? Yeah, it would never happen. No. I just don't think that would work. History begs to differ. How about Get Out? Get In? Yeah, that, that's good. You saw it? I haven't, but I've heard great things. Lady Bird? Uh, no, but I love Sorcha Ronan, so why not? The Phantom Thread is one that I've seen the preview for. Yeah. At every movie that I've seen since it's been out, and it scares the bleep out of me. Like, I don't want to see... Daniel Day-Lewis, Murder a Woman. That's his uh, final movie, isn't it? That's what he says. Oh, I think he's just preparing for a role in which he's going to be a retiree. He's going to play himself. Yes, he is is just method acting what it would be like to retire Mm -hmm. because he's going to be in a movie based on a character who's retired. What if his final movie is a movie about Daniel Day-Lewis? I'm probably not going to watch it. In his final movie. Not like, going to watch it. it. Like, that's, a, that's it. It's like the whole movie. It's like a documentary. It's See, just him, like, now, getting ready and everything for his final movie, and then roll credits. And that's it. Roll credits. I liked Lincoln, but the vampire Lincoln movie was much better. So if there could be a movie of vampire Daniel Day-Lewis preparing for retirement, played by Tim Benz, I think I could wrap my arms around that one. Yeah. I'm telling you what is going to win right now, though. I, I already know. It's going to be the post, because I'm looking at the movie poster, and all it says in the top left corner is Streep and Hanks. Yeah. Game over. Done. Jordan. Pippen. Championship. Yeah. Done. The Streep factor. Put it in. Shape of Water was good, although weird as all get out. Haven't seen it, and I, yeah, based on what I've heard, I, I, I concur with you. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, I did not know existed until KDO told me about that the other day. I've never heard of that. Okay. So those, those are the best picture movies. Now Wait, what's the, that one about? I, might, I may have heard of it. It doesn't tell me what it's about. I could view the trailer, but I don't think that'll be good radio. No. Do you our food, by the way? I did. Here's the best actor in a leading role. Timothy Chamelay for Call Me By Your Name, which we hadn't seen. Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. Daniel Day-Lewis, he scares the bleep out of me. He scares the... Look, I mean, look at his picture! I know. It's, I mean, this is not a visual medium, but it scares the crap out of me. You've got Daniel Kalulalala for Get Out. He was fabulous in that one. Gary Oldman was unbelievable in The Darkest Hour. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Denzel Washington and Roman J. Israel. And, well, Denzel's like Steph Curry. We'll talk to Sean Collier about all this coming up at 520-412-922-2874. One movie I did see, actually, I'm going to get to this. And you've got the best actress in a leading role is I, Tanya. Margot Robbie was unreal. Mm. She was great. Mike Pizzuto was, he was raving about that this morning. Awesome movie. Yeah. In fact, I'm a little bit surprised that that wasn't put up for best picture. Just because the, the acting was so superb. Her yeah. mother her mother got nominated too. I, I forget the name of the actress. It's escaping me right now. Her mother got nominated not for leading role, but uh, best actress in a supporting role. Because she was unbelievable. It was Allison Janney. Janie. 
Okay. Yeah, very good. Are you going to watch the Oscars? No, hell no. Okay. <laughs> no, without a doubt. Yeah. I'm not going to watch the Oscars. So we're going to we'll probably see if we can have Sean Collier on again on Monday. Just tell us what happened. And hopefully there's no screw-ups like there was last year. And oh. He, like there also was with the United States curling champions. Or the election. Never mind. What happened? Election? Or like the election. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. My wife texts me right now. Would you be interested in going to Target tonight? Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do on a Friday. Dear God. I should just get inebriated here. That should be Daniel Day-Lewis's final movie. Target with your wife? Target your wife. That's, that's misleading. That is misleading. Daniel Day-Lewis in. Target your wife. People might actually go to the movie and then stay through it because the entire time they think something brutal is going to happen. But really, you're just walking through the bathroom section of Target. Yeah. And your wife's nagging you. I need a comforter. Can we make him a vampire? <laughs> I need a comforter. The Penguins lost last night. Eight to four. And I saw a tweet or 17 saying that the Penguins look like the pre-Mike Sullivan Penguins. And one of the people who tweeted it was Chris Adamski, friend of the show, friend in real life, from the Trib, who said, look, they're coming unraveled. Malkin, Crosby, they were chirping, chirping, chirping. Hornquist is running Charlie McAvoy. You've got the fight with Zidane Chara. The Penguins didn't play well, gave up a bunch of goals. Said it looked like 2012. Philadelphia Flyers series, and that will absolutely give you PTSD. I don't think that that's in any way what's going to happen. The last three games, yeah, they haven't played well. The last three games, yeah, they've given up a lot of goals. The last three games, yeah, they haven't taken the puck, care of the puck, pardon me, at all. But they're a hockey team that's going to go through ebbs and flows. An 82-game season is a damn long one. And they're going to be fine. Uh, this year, when they gave up 10 goals to the Blackhawks, everyone freaked out. They're going to be fine. Mike Sullivan always gets this team back on track. Mike Sullivan tells them to just play. This is a momentary setback. Got this text from my wife. Hey, what the heck? Nagging? Fine. I'll go alone. I was kidding, Leanna. And I wasn't talking about you in terms of the nagging. It's a joke for the radio audience. Of course I'll go to Target tonight. I just don't want people to know which Target I'll go to. But if you could do me a favor and text me why we're going to Target, that'd be great. We just spent all this money on a kitchen. I don't know what we're going to spend any more money on. Also, I just ordered a burger here. And it's Friday in Lent, so I'm going to help. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If anybody thinks that these Penguins are going to revert back the way that they used to be, you haven't been paying attention in the Mike Sullivan era. Because the moment that stood out to me that they could have done that was a couple of years ago against the Washington Capitals, Game 6, in the second round of the playoffs, and the Penguins kept shooting the puck over the damn glass. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is when the Penguins collapse. This is when the Penguins come unglued. This is when the Penguins lose this hockey game. And they didn't allow the game to slip away from them then. They, Washington tied it. They didn't allow Washington to take the lead. 
Penguins then went to overtime and absolutely dominated the contest. The Penguins had every opportunity there to collapse. They did not. Penguins were down three games to two in the next series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They could have been frustrated. They weren't. They were out playing Tampa, and Tampa had the better results. We'd seen that in the past with Pitts, Pitts, Pittsburgh. My God, it's a Friday. We've seen that in the past with Pittsburgh. If you go back to the Montreal games, uh, games back in 2010, Penguins outplayed them, outplayed them, outplayed them, outplayed them, and lost the series in seven games. We did not see that happen with Tampa Bay. The Penguins made technical adjustments. The Penguins wound up winning the series. Last year against Ottawa, the Penguins could have absolutely come unglued. Ottawa put it on the Penguins. Marc-Andre Fleury got pulled. The Penguins could have reverted back to those old ways. That did not happen. These Pittsburgh Penguins aren't going to turn into the Dan Bosma Pittsburgh Penguins. And the thing that they do that Dan Bosma's Penguins never did is turn the page to a new game plan. They've always got a plan B. You always need plan B in college. Well, you need plan B if you're going to win a championship in the National Hockey League. You need it. And the Penguins under Mike Sullivan aren't afraid to change things up. Against Tampa Bay, the Penguins played a little bit more of a trap when they got down three games to two. Uh, Last year, they adjusted technically against the Ottawa Senators. Mike Sullivan isn't going to allow the team to get too frustrated because they're going to work on things that are going to change the game. Dan Bosma's solution was always just, we've got to do what we do, we just got to do it better. That's not realistic. Mike Sullivan changes the game plan, and when he changes the game plan, the Penguins execute said game plan, and they win. And they might not win at all this year because it's really hard to win it all three years in a row. It's really hard to win it once. But it's not going to be because they're petulant. It's not going to be because they're entitled. It's not going to be because they are the Penguins of the pre-Mike Sullivan era. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine joins us next. It's the Crowley Show. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. (laughs) He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. We do like 50% sports on this show, more than that on most days, but it's a Friday. We have fun on Fridays. Well, we have fun every day. Let's be real here. Sean Collier always having fun. The always funny Sean Collier joins us now on the Crowley Show uh, from Pittsburgh Magazine. You can hear him on DVE every single Friday. We'll have him on now to talk about the Oscars. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. I didn't know I had to be fun. Now I'll, now I will turn it on. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on you, but I think you can I think you can rise to the occasion, much like the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs. Uh Sean, when you look at the best picture nominees, uh, I suppose I should ask it two different ways. Number 1, what is the movie that you best enjoyed? And number 2, which is the one that you think the Academy is going to pick? Uh, for me, my, my top film last year uh, is not nominated, which usually happens because I'm uh, cranky and contrary. My favorite film of 2017 was Mudbound, 
which you can watch on Netflix, and is nominated uh, in some other categories. Among the nominees, uh, my favorite was The Shape of Water, uh, which I really loved. I know that uh, some people, for some people, uh, relations with a fish man may be a step too far. Not for me. It's 2018. I'll, I'll allow yeah. it. I mean, that's fine. It's not a choice. It's just who you love. I yeah. did not see that one, although I'm fairly certain I'm going to watch it tonight. Your thoughts on, uh, well, I guess I should ask, uh, what about Mudbound made it one that you would have considered for Best Picture? Oh, it's, uh, I, th- I thought it was, it was that combination of uh, one of, if not the best stories of the year, uh, told as well as anything this year. Uh, great direction by Dee Reese. Great cinematography by Rachel Morrison. She is uh, the first uh, female nominee in uh, the best cinematography category. Uh, and a great story adapted from a novel about two families at odds in the post-World War II South. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I don't think it's going to win anything and, and and your question was what will the academy like the most i i uh i am having trouble with that one when it comes to best picture this year the smart money is uh, apparently on three billboards outside ebbing missouri that doesn't feel quite right to me i i think that i'm predicting it for the shape of water uh but there are some people who swear that that get out uh, is the front runner and has been the whole time so i i think those are your contenders I really like Dunkirk, but I thought it was unrealistic. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think all those people could have been evacuated in all those boats. And yet, apparently it happened. Uh, oh, no. None of us, none of us uh, on this side of the pond heard about that story until this year, and then we got two movies about it, just to make sure, with Darkest Hour being the same topic. Uh, but no, it was a great movie. I think it's going to clean up some of those uh, technical awards. I, I, I think it has the lead on cinematography and editing, um, but I don't think it's going to take the big one. Your thoughts on Darkest Hour, because uh, I saw it. I'm a big history geek, uh, even though I was surprised to know that Dunkirk actually happened. Uh, I joke, I kid. Uh, I love that right. movie. Uh, I liked Darkest Hour. Uh, Gary Oldman is the heavy, heavy favorite to win Best Actor. I'm, I'm not too crazy about that. I think he gave the, the third or fourth best performance among the nominees. But uh, as much as the Academy is changing and it's getting tougher to predict some things, you know, if you put a, a above-average actor in a lot of makeup and make him yell a whole lot, preferably playing a historical figure, that's still a pretty good path to the Oscar. So I think that's, uh, that's a, a lock for Sunday night. Sean Collier, Pittsburgh Magazine, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, why would you think it would be wrong if three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri were to win? Uh, that gets into the best picture voting process, which, uh, believe me, uh, no one has neither the time nor the attention span uh, to, to fully unpack. It, it makes those advanced baseball statistics look positively simple by comparison. You'll have a, you'll have a better time grasping VORP than you will the best picture voting. But, in short, uh, the thing that gets the most first-place votes does not necessarily win. The voting system is set up to favor things that have kind of broader consensus. Um, and I think that that is going to help 
Shape of Water or Get Out, one of those is going to propel the other into first place, I think, based on how the voting works. I could be wrong. The, 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 the Vegas odds and even a lot of the Oscar experts, a slim majority of Oscar experts, still think it's going to be three billboards. But something about that doesn't quite, doesn't quite smell right to me. What do you think about Larry Bird? What about Larry Bird? Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Ah, I see. Larry I knew Bird. That was, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, uh, Larry Bird, uh, uh, you know, uh, did a lot for, for white men wearing tiny shorts. Uh, it can't be denied. <laughs> uh, but uh, Lady Bird is a movie I liked a lot. Um, I think I had it fifth or sixth on my, my top ten last year. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't, I don't see it winning anything, unfortunately. The Best Director uh, Award is probably going to go to Guillermo del Toro for, uh, for The Shape of Water. Um, Best Actress is probably going to go to Frances McDormand, the Manesson's own Frances McDormand, uh, for Three Billboards. So I don't think Lady Bird is going to win anything, but I, I, a movie I really liked a lot. And especially if you're about, uh, if you're about our age, it, it depicts being a, uh, a, a late teenager in the early 2000s, so so resonant to us early millennials. If you put you yourself in that category, yeah, you don't know who I am. Uh, Sean yeah. Collier joining me from Pittsburgh Magazine here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Get Out uh, is one that. Well, do you feel like if you if there's social commentary uh, or uh, some facsimile of that uh, that it helps? to that it helps in the voting process as it comes to best picture oh absolutely absolutely and and when that is coupled with a really good movie anyway that's the key there's a hundred movies with you know strong loud uh you know timely social messages every year it's a matter of which one of them also turn out to be really good movies. Talking uh, uh, this morning, thank you for mentioning my, my weekly uh, DVE appearances. We were talking. Yeah, this DVE, about DVE how, needs a lot of help. Yeah, they need. They, need yeah, all they, help. they really need a boost around here. Um, oh, we were talking this morning about how you know when you first watch Get Out, you think, oh yeah, this is a good horror movie. This is just a, a, a slick, well-made horror movie. On that second viewing, you really start to appreciate everything that's going on there in that script um, and, and and I think that helps out a lot can it get it all the way to best picture I, I don't know like I said some people think that's going to happen I think it's really really tough for a horror movie to win the big award uh, I do think it's going to grab that best original screenplay prize uh, two more here on Best Picture uh, Phantom Thread is something that I've only seen the preview for every time I go into the theater, and it terrifies me to my inner core that Daniel Day-Lewis uh, is going to murder me uh, while I'm in the theater. So I have not seen that. Uh, is that worthy of nomination for Best Picture? I certainly didn't think so. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, maybe maybe slightly more formalist critics, to, if you want to get, get nerdy about this. Hell People yeah. Really love People who really love the craft and the look of films and, and, and some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, they seem to like it more than me. I thought 
This here's another movie about a a guy who is just an insufferable jerk, but he makes pretty dresses, so everybody loves him. Uh, did not feel like uh, uh, the movie for this year, especially in Hollywood. It didn't really resonate with me. It looks great. Uh, it, it, it's got a great soundtrack by, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but one of the guys from Radiohead that isn't Tom York doing a classical score for it. That sounds great. Not my favorite, but the, it got way more nominations than anybody anticipated. So maybe the Academy found more to like in it than I did. Last one here to ask you about for best picture. Picture uh, Sean Collier joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, I would love to see the post. In fact, I think I'm going to this weekend. I love journalism flicks. Uh, two of my favorite movies of, of all time. Uh, now, Spotlight and uh, All the President's Men. Uh, yeah. But I look, I look at the poster here, and it says just in the top corner, all you see is Streep and Hanks. So I feel like they got a shot. Yeah, a lot of years, the Post would have marched to every single award. It seems that uh, the Academy is a little different than it used to be, uh, especially with Moonlight beating uh, La La Land last year after you got Warren Beatty and a confused accountant out of the way. But uh, that indicated to me that, that the Academy has changed, and something like the Post, that kind of easy prestige, Drama does not necessarily march to all of those awards. I liked the post. It felt like a little bit much. It felt like, you know, calling in an NHL coach to uh, teach a peewee hockey team how to skate around the net. It, it, it's 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 a really Spielbergy for kind of a quiet movie. I liked it. It was not one of my favorites. I have to say. That's a. I think you you told a lot in just that line. It's really Spielbergy for a quiet movie. Uh, that yep. I think paints the picture very well. Sean Collier joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, now, how about best actor in a leading role? Uh, a lot of familiar actors there, and a couple maybe who aren't so familiar. Who's got the lead in your opinion uh, to win? And uh, who would you? Who do you think had the best performance? Gary Oldman is, is almost a lock to win. It's, uh, I, uh, we were looking at some of the betting lines. That's one of those categories where you can't possibly make any money just because Oldman is so far out in front. Um, like I said, I, I don't think that his was the best performance of this bunch. I would give that to Daniel Kaluuya in, in Get Out. Uh, I've been talking a lot about face acting in the past couple of weeks because Daniel Kaluuya did more face acting in Get Out than most people do in three movies. I think he gave the best performance. I don't think that'll matter. I think Gary Oldman has it locked up. Moving on now to the actress in a leading role. Uh, I loved I, Tanya. I thought that was a very good movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, how do you think Margot Robbie uh, fared in that? And, of course, Meryl Streep for the thousandth year in a row is also part of the category. Yeah, Meryl Streep, uh, Meryl Streep and Denzel Washington appear to have automatic bids at this point. <laughs> the, the, the voters write their names down and then go back and check which movie they were in this year. Um, I, I, I really liked I, Tanya. Margot Robbie was perfect in a less competitive year. Uh, that would be a movie, a performance that has a shot at an Oscar. This year, there was too much going on in that category. This is one of the best uh, lineups in an acting category I've ever seen. 
to the point where Sally Hawkins was my favorite. Saoirse Ronan did a great job. I don't think either of them can quite stand up uh, to Francis McDormand just because it's such a powerful, uh, uh, gutsy performance in the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And uh, who doesn't like Francis McDormand? I'm, I'm glad that she's going to now be a two-time Oscar winner. Uh, she, she really, she can, I mean, she can do anything. Uh, she really can. I mean, she's... She's a good chameleon, if you will, in that she's she's able to kind of strike any chord you want her to. She can, and and is as funny in as funny as she is devastating in this movie too. That's I, I'm downplaying it because I really want that Shape of Water win. But I love Three Billboards, and it's one of those movies I love because I I fell out of my chair laughing at certain scenes and and was absolutely knocked out by grief in others. If you can do both of those, you did something right. And she is really a a fine example of that kind of work. Last couple of things for Sean Collier, Pittsburgh Magazine, here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Allison, what is it, Janae or Janie? Uh, I'm going to butcher that. I I'm terrible with names. Uh, in I, Tanya for actress in a supporting role. I thought she was excellent as well. I think I haven't, well, of course, I haven't seen all the others. Uh, Mary J. Blige is nominated for Mudbound, which I know that you have an affinity for. Uh, who do you got there? Uh, Mary J. Blige was great. That's that's by far the far from the best thing about Mudbound. I, I was just happy that Mudbound got another nomination. Uh, Allison Janney did a great job in I Tanya, and uh, I think she has this one about sewn up. There's a chance that uh, there's there's an upset brewing there uh, in the form of Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird, uh, who most people know from Roseanne. Uh, yeah. a, a tremendous actress, another great performance. Uh, but I think people did really like I, Tonya and wanted to get an award and, and will write down Allison Janney's name uh, just to make sure that I, Tonya doesn't go home empty-handed and, and well-deserved for her as well. If you had to give, if, if you had to say who had the better performance in I, Tonya, who would you go with? Uh, Margot Robbie Ooh. or, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's Margot Robbie just because walking into the theater, I, you know, thought of uh, Tanya Harding as, as you know, the, the, this kind of villainous character, if a, if a slightly ridiculous villain. And by the end of it, it seemed like her life was this Greek tragedy brought down by her circumstances. Margot Robbie found so much sympathy in a character that we've all known for decades and already made up our minds about, Margot Robbie, for me, changed my mind about this person, at least in the, the, for the length of that movie. I think that's uh, some impressive work. Last couple of things here for Sean Collier, Pittsburgh Magazine, on the Crowley Show. Uh, I asked this question because I'm interested in it, but your job, you watch all these movies because you have to critique them you ever get halfway through a movie and just go, son of a bitch, why the hell do I have to watch the rest of this one? It's been a well, it's been a while since I've walked out. And in, in, in the first year or two, I would bail. Uh, I, 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 do, <laughs> I distinctly remember leaving the, uh, the Kevin James comedy Zookeeper. I never Ugh. walked out of that one. Um, it got really know, good at the end, though, Sean. Oh, did it? It turned into a nuanced, uh, uh, subtle... Uh, observation of modern life? No. He fell down in gorilla's <laughs> Um 
you know, I, there are certainly movies that I uh, am uh, I, I know aren't going to get any better at that halfway mark. Fortunately, I am just so into watching movies that even if I hate it, I usually don't have any trouble making it to the end credits. I'm, I'm at home right now uh, watching a, uh, actually a very good movie called The Insult, which is nominated for Best Foreign Language uh, Feature, because I'm trying to complete the Oscars death race this year. That is seeing every movie nominated in every category. And I don't have to do that. I just decided I was gonna, and I'm gonna make it. That's how much I love watching movies for no reason. So when it's an actual obligation, I have no trouble at all. See, that's what I figured, and you do a great job with it, obviously. Uh, I I was watching, oh my god, what was it, Maryland-Wisconsin basketball yesterday, and my I texted my buddy about it, and he goes, why the bleep are you watching that? I said, because I love it. So I guess, and it sounds like it's the same uh, way. Uh, Sean, you got a big uh, uh, event tomorrow night, yes? I do. My uh, my friend Aaron Kleiber, uh, one of the best comics in Pittsburgh, absolutely, tours all over the country. He is filming a comedy special at the Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall uh, up there on the hill past the uh, Homestead Bridge. Uh, this is uh, a big production it's being uh, directed uh, by the people who did the ABC show Downward Dog. A lot of uh, muscle and production efforts behind this. And uh, Aaron's taping a special. I'm very happy for him and, and very uh, honored to be on the bill as well. So I'm going to be warming the crowd up for him tomorrow night. Two shows are at 7 and 10. Uh, and you can get tickets now at uh, Aaron's website, GrownDadBusiness.com. Well, we very much look forward to that. Uh, thanks for the time, Sean. And I should ask this. Are you doing the uh, Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate this year? I will be there. I, uh, I have done a number of them. I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's interesting. I, I understand we're moving to Tequila Cowboy this year. We uh, are. Which, which I just got done writing the uh, slightly uh, derisive annual report on a bar where a Steelers coach got in trouble. Uh, <laughs> right. So hopefully no one there has read that, and I can uh, eat and drink with uh, without fear at Tequila Cowboy. It's always a good time. I'm going to see how many, if I can do an entire set on Todd Haley. That's my challenge for myself, but uh, always a good time, and I'm looking forward to seeing people out there. Well, we look forward to seeing you there. Sean, really appreciate the time today, man. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Sean Collier, Pittsburgh Magazine. You can catch him every Friday on the DVE Morning Show. Uh, great guy. Love his dad. Uh, I think the best columnist uh, in Pittsburgh has been doing it for a long time. That's no offense to anybody else, but the way he writes is just different than everybody else. Coming up next, I finish my burger, maybe go to the bathroom, and then I'm going to do a radio segment before we hear from John Schuster of the United States Olympic gold medal winning curling team. It's the Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. I always say the number one virtue of the Crowley Show is transparency. My tease going into the break was that I was going to go to the bathroom and I was going to eat. And I have eaten about 95% of this burger. And I was able to urinate. 
so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, I know that the audience has no idea what I'm going to talk about this segment, but on Fridays, I don't so much care. I only care about getting done. 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Baker Mayfield spoke today at the NFL Combine, and oh my God, the takes. There's just so many takes. I, I saw that he is the smallest quarterback to be at the Combine since... Guess who? Johnny Manziel. You nailed it, Joe. So, I didn't even know your mic was on. But you nailed it. That's true. He's the smallest quarterback at the Combine since Manziel. So because he's the same size, he's Johnny Manziel. So he's, <laughs> he's the smallest quarterback to be at the Combine in three years. Yeah, in three much. years. Right. Exactly. Wow. Now, A lot has happened since. Yeah. Now, I know the drunkest person at the Combine is Tom Offerman, my producer now, uh, because you bailed on us to go... To the DV morning show. I mean, you did what anybody should do. Duty called. I answered. You did. Uh, Tom, this morning, had nature call, but not from the basement. It was from the attic and hurled because he's been drinking the last two days with Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson. Is that true? It is true. Oh, my. He texted me and he said, dude, I haven't drank this much since college. So, like yes. a year. So, he got there on Tuesday. Tuesday night, he drank. Wednesday night he drank. Third, oh, my God. So it's been three nights already. Tonight, you know he's going to go ham, and they're going to drive back tomorrow. One of the reasons I didn't want to go to the Combine is because I'm trying not to drink like I'm in college anymore. And if I had gone, I wouldn't have, and then I would have been chided. There would have been peer pressure from yeah. Lolly and Williamson and Caboli's out there. And, and Tom. And Tom. And they all would have been like, come on, Crowley. Like, why don't you party with us? And I'd want to be in bed by midnight so I could wake up in the morning and not yak at the combine. A couple of years ago, I did throw up. And then I walked up and down press row. And I could see my reflection in some of the stuff on the walls. And I looked green. And from that point forward, I said, I'm never going to the Combine and getting that hammered again. Last year, I behaved like an adult, except I almost got arrested. If you haven't heard that story, I'll tell it again to wrap up the show. But it's probably good for me, and it's good for Tom. Tom's out there networking, you know? Uh, I, I know that the other night that Todd Haley popped into a bar that they were in, but you can have that happen in Pittsburgh all the time. In mm. fact, I think this is as good a time as any to plug that the – Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate will be on March 14th at Tequila Cowboy. Gates open at 6.30, which is always BS, man. And my show goes until 7. I'm supposed to be there. The gates open at 6.30. When's the event start? Am I, I have to tape out? I'm not doing that. That's a nightmare. Not doing that. I will, I will complete every one of my shows live all the way through. That's the way we do things here on the Crowley Show. But Baker Mayfield... Is being compared to Johnny Manziel. But at the Combine, it's not like they take your blood alcohol content. It's not like, well, I guess they do test for drugs. But here's the thing. Baker Mayfield might be cocky. He might be a little bit smaller. But he's got a far better arm. And I think he's got a better attitude. I think Baker Mayfield is a big D-bag because he cares so much about the game. When you look at Johnny Manziel, he didn't care about the game. He came from oil money. The guy was already wealthy. Uh, beyond that, he wanted the party. That's what appealed to him about being a National Football League quarterback. The party. The drugs. The fun. 
All that nonsense. That's why he wanted to be a part of it. I'm sure he wanted to play football, but that was secondary. It's not the case for Baker Mayfield. And one of my least favorite things about these evaluation processes is that we try to put everyone in the same folder. And he can't. Just because he's a similar stature to Johnny Manziel doesn't mean he's the next flame out in the National Football League. Why isn't he Drew Brees? It bothers me. And it's one of the flaws in the scouting process is they want to do things easily. It's not easy. It's complex. There's so much that has to do with football other than just being able to go out and play football. But yet when it comes to trying to make this consumable for the masses, they dumb it down maybe too much. And I touched on this the other day. I was watching Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming, He's got a 56% completion percentage, and he's on one side of the screen, and Ben Roethlisberger's on the other side of the screen. They've got NFL Films music blaring, slow motion. Ben Roethlisberger throws the ball to Santonio Holmes, and on the left side of the screen, it's Josh Allen making a similar throw in a game that was meaningless at Wyoming. And what you wind up doing is you put undue pressure on these athletes Pressure that's already going to be there. But you put undue expectations, undue pressure on them because you want to make things easier to consume. And I'm not one who's crazy about jargon. I'm not one who's crazy about breaking things down to the nth degree. I'm not. That's not the kind of show we do. Hell, we spent 20 minutes talking about the Oscars today, and we spent 25 minutes talking about cookies before that. But I think you owe it to the prospects to evaluate them as separate human beings. And the combine itself is just a damn meat market. They're sprinting in their underwear. Everything they do gets written down. And then you go the easy route, or at least some of these scouts do, in the comparisons that they make. And then when the kid fails, you blame the kid. When the athlete fails, it's the athlete's fault because the athlete couldn't possibly stand up to the pressure in my opinion so it shouldn't be all on the athlete a lot of it should be on the expectations and that's what's so flawed and I think that's where in this business my business the hot take business we can get away with some things that maybe the scouts shouldn't get away with for example I could predict that the Steelers are gonna go 14 and 2 next year that way, when they go 12-4, and four, which is far more realistic, I can say, oh, they disappointed. But who would they disappoint? Maybe 12-4 and four was good enough. Maybe they won the division. Maybe they got the number one or number two seed. But I predicted them to go 14-2, and two, so I could say they didn't live up to the expectation. You can do that in the hot take business. But in the scouting business, whenever people look at you as the scientist of the draft room, don't be like that. Don't take the easy path. Don't make the comparisons. It's lazy, it's cheap, and it sucks. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. My favorite thing about having Joe back is him wearing the microphone, not turning himself down and yawning. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's what I like. Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at my notes here and <clears throat> I just I hear I hear the yawn portion. Thank wow. you for that. Well, you it's know good. I mean you are tired. What can I say? And I'm no Bauman. I am tired. What time are you waking up every day now? I'm getting up around uh, quarter after four. What time are you there. getting in? 
quarter to five. Has Bauman swore at you yet? Uh, not to my face. That's good. Yeah. Who do you like the best? I like them all. Mm. They're all great crew. Very diplomatic answer of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it is fun. We had uh, Mike DiStefano in today, who is performing at the Improv this weekend. He's very funny. He had some good jokes. His friend was hammered drunk, yes? Uh, it wasn't his friend. It was just the escort that was working for the Improv. Oh. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 7.30 in the morning. Just hammered. Just, uh... What that, kind of life do you live to be hammered me. at 7.30? See, I, I think it was more of a hangover issue. Uh, I think it was more of a late night than an early morning. He didn't drive, did he? Uh, no, no. That was the whole topic of conversation was that they were in a some sort of an Uber or a car or something. And it was late. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that that, uh, <laughs> that made my morning shift all the more exciting. Now, I'll have a beer or two because it'll loosen me up for the great sports debate. And that way I'm not going to be intimidated by the likes of Madden and Saverin and Benz and Pursuit Up. Mm. Uh, but that many at that time, even if you're nervous, eh, you know, probably not the best life decision. Coming up next, this guy makes good life decisions because he's a damn gold medalist. The skip of the United States curling team. He is John Schuster, will be with us. It's the Bud Light Happy Hour. <sighs> For the love of God, on the Crowley Show, ESPN Pittsburgh.